Erev Tov. So, welcome everybody. Thanks for everyone joining, even on the recording. Um, tonight, we are doing a new and old Hatchala. We just finished the section of the Sidor of Shachrit, from all the way from the beginning all the way to the end. And tonight, in one fell swoop, we will be conquering the Tefillah of Mincha. And it's actually amusing, if you look in the old manuscripts of all the oldest Sidurim, all the ones that are written by hand, um, in many of those Sidurim, they skipped Mincha entirely. Because if you think about it, the Sofer, the scribe, already wrote all the content necessary. So like, it wasn't, paper was valuable, and he wasn't going to waste paper on writing things that people already knew. So the vast majority of old manuscripts Sidurim go straight from Shachrit to Tfilat Arvit, because nobody needed Mincha. It was so well, the elements of it were so well known that it wasn't necessary to actually write them down in the handheld guides or the handheld or the, the handheld Sidurim. But eventually, as paper got cheaper and the printing press, um, the printing press became a thing, the, um, the Sidurim began to print the Minhagim or the different customs which had. Um, developed and evolved around Mincha. So the, the basic core structure of, of the Mincha is pretty well known. Uh, the introduction is just like by any tefillah, we have an ashray, we have a, a, a shvach, right? The, the structure of prayer is that first you do shvach, you do praise, then you do petition, uh, and then you do, sh- and then you, um, uh, yeah, pray, uh, shvach, then petition, then hoda'ah, and then thanks. And the same is true with uh, mincha. You'll have first ashray, then the shmona esrei, and then you have aleinu, which is a form of hoda'ah. So that's the general structure of mincha. And the form was known known very much to, to everyone for a very long time. And therefore, it wasn't printed as much in the sidurim. There were some small minhagim which developed, which we'll see tonight one by one, like the, um, uh, you have l'shem yichuds, uh, the Ketoret, the, um, what's the word? You have the, the Korbanot, Tikon uh, Tefilati, a bunch of different Minhagim uh, that revolve around Mincha, and those are printed in the Sidrim, so we're going to analyze as many as we can, although some of them are self, uh, self-explanatory. So let's begin um, at, the, um, at the very beginning um, with the Gemara and Brachot, Davavamudbet. The Gemara Brachot introduces us to this, to the importance of Mincha. And the Gemara says, Amri Bichelbo, if I, I'm just going to read it here because it's a short Gemara, Amar Bichelbo, Amar Avhuna, Le'olam Yehe Adam Zahir B'tfilat Mincha. A person should always be extra cautious in praying Mincha. Why? Sharei Eliyahu lo ne'ane ele b'tfilat Mincha. For Eliyahu Hanavi. Um, Eliyahu Navi in, in uh, the first Sefer of Malachim had a debate slash contest with the sorcerers of the Avodazar of the idol no, known as Baal. And in that contest, the sorcerers attempted to bring a fire down onto a Mizbeach uh, using witchcraft, and they prayed and they hopped up and down and everything all day. Um, and Eliyahu waited for them to see if they could bring a fire down to consume the Karban. And finally, in the time of Mincha, when they were bringing the Mincha in the Beit HaMikdash, the uh, Eliyahu Navi 
opened his prayer, and at that time was when his prayer was accepted. And the Pasuk says, Pasuk says, The Gemara explains, uh, Answer me that the fire should come from heaven, and answer me that they shouldn't believe that what I did was sorcery. The Gemara also goes on to say that even Arvit and even Shachrit, a person has to, to, uh, be, to, to be cautious about and the Mepharshim obviously explained that it doesn't just mean uh, that one tefillah is more important than the other, but it's coming to show you the power of the Kabbalah, the power of the acceptance of these prayers. And Mincha in specific, in, specifically has an extra power uh, for the tefillot of Mincha to be accepted. Um, and this Kabbalah, this, this tradition of this idea comes from Eliyahu Hanavi. Um, the Tur adds, in Reish Lamed Bet, the Tur adds a very important point, and that is mincha happens in middle of the day when people are generally in the middle of working, and it's a very difficult uh, tefillah to cut your time out of the day in order to make sure you make it to mincha, make it on time. And so therefore, it says, lo adam zahir, therefore the Gemara uses that terminology because it does take an extra exertion to make sure that we do mincha properly. And I'm sure everybody who works understands um, that, that doing mincha right can be... Uh, quite the exertion sometimes. The Zohar in Breshit, Daf Reish Chavtet Amud Aleph, points out that the Beit HaMikdash was also destroyed at the time of Mincha. And that time of day is uh, related to the time of day when there's a lot of uh, strict judgment in the cycle of the day. There's Hidkabrut HaDinim, there's a strengthening of the, of the powers of strict justice, and therefore... The mincha, part, the mincha tefillah of the day is a very important tefillah to pray in order to subdue that uh, extra power of strict, ju- of, of strict uh, judgment. Now, probably the most famous Gemara about mincha would be the Gemara in Brachot Avchafav um, Bet, where the Gemara discusses where we know the tefillot from. This is a Gemara we've looked at many times in the Shior. And the Gemara says... That there's two views. One view is that tefillot avot tiknum, meaning that the, the prayers were instituted by the patriarchs. And the other uh, opinion is that tefillot kineged korbanot uh, tiknum. I forgot the exact language. Hold up. Let me just look at the Gemara. Kineged timidin tiknum. Sorry. That, uh, you know, one, one view is that the shachit minchan arvid correspond to the patriarchs because they instituted it. And another view is that it corresponds to the Karbanot in the Beit HaMikdash because they were parallel to it. Uh, the Gemara brings Rayot both ways. It brings Braitot to support one, Braitot to support the other. It brings the Pasuk by, by Yitzchak, where Yitzchak, V'yetze Yitzchak lasuach basadeh. And the Gemara says that that uh, prayer was during the afternoon, and that was Yitzchak uh, instituting uh, the, the Tefillah of Mincha. Now, at the end of the day, the Gemara comes out and says that, no, both are true. Uh, the, the, the Avot, the patriarchs, did institute it, but they only instituted it insofar as a private institution. They instituted praying to Hashem in the morning or praying to Hashem in the afternoon or in the evening. As a private institution, they never imposed it on other people. Later, when the Chachamim, or the Anshikneset HaGdola, made a formal institution of prayer, they formalized it based on the previous institution of the... Um, uh, they canonized it based on the previous institution of the Avot. Um, and then when it came to the Zmanim, when it came to the times in which we are chayv to pray, 
that was based on the Tamidin, on the, on the Korbanot Tamid in the Beit HaMikdash. So there's different views as to exactly when the Tamid was brought in the Beit HaMikdash, whether it was brought until Chatzot, until the fourth, uh, I think it's whether until the fourth hour or until Chatzot. By Mincha, there's also a disagreement between the Tanakhama and Rabbi Huda. When did they bring the Tamid? Did it begin in the six and a half hour or did it bring, uh, of the day, meaning if you, from sunrise, six and a half uh, uh, sun hours until until the end of the day, or was it started after eight and a half hours or around nine and a half hours? So the Gemara seems to assume uh, that halachically speaking, they could have started from right after midday, meaning once the sun starts uh, going down, as the Pasuk says, ben ha'arbayim, that the tamid is, is brought between the darkenings, meaning from the initial darkening to the final darkening, so that's from, you know, right off of midday until Shkia. So technically, right after midday, they could do Mincha. But in actuality, in the Bet HaMikdash, they never did that because they wanted to allow extra time for people to bring their own Karbanot in the Dava before they brought the final Tamid of the day. Therefore, in actuality, they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, uh, do the Shkita of the Tamid until a few hours in. And this is why we have two terms for Mincha. We have a term called Mincha Gidola, which uh, literally to the vernacular is translated as the greater Mincha. And we have something called Mincha Kitana, which is the lesser Mincha. But it doesn't mean that one is greater or lesser than the other. It's simply uh, a quirk of the, of, the, of, the, um, of the Lashon HaKodesh. Because Gidola means there's a greater part of the day left. And Mincha Kitana means there's a lesser part of the day left. So Mincha Kitana is closer to Shekiah. Mincha Kitana is like from Plaga Minchan and onward, and Mincha Gedola is is the earlier time, meaning right a half hour after Chatzot. Um, that is the uh, the earliest time one can pray uh, Mincha. So the halachic nuances of this are are a little bit complicated, just to calculate exactly what is eleven you know, 10, 10 hours and three quarters, uh, because that's called Plaga Mincha. Plaga Mincha is half of the Mincha, and the Gemara goes into the into the the, the technical details. Of exactly when is Plaga Mincha, when is the sec, when is Mincha Ketana, when is Mincha Gedola. At the end of the day, the Gemara doesn't paskin. It doesn't say, uh, okay, and the halacha is we pray Mincha Gedola. In other words, we pray at the at the earlier zman, or the halacha is we pray at the Mincha Ketana, we pray the the second half, closer to Shkia, right, closer to Arvit. It doesn't actually lay down the law. Based on this, the Geonim and the Rishonim had a misora that the Gemara was trying to tell us that Elu Elu, that either one is okay. But some of the Rishonim understood the, the uh, maskana of the Gemara to be that the preference is l'chatechila, a person should uh, pray mincha ketana. So l'chatechila, we should be praying later and not doing mincha gedola unless it's b'sha'at hatchak. Meaning that unless it's a, uh, you know, there's no other choice, you know you have work and mincha ends early, uh, then other than that, there should be no reason why people should pray mincha um, uh, earlier than Mincha Kitana, which is the later the later section of the day. And if anyone has uh, one of those apps or one of those calendars, you'll see the er- the, the time of Plaga Mincha, and from that onward is is generally pla- uh, Mincha Kitana. So the Minhag varied throughout history. Uh, you'll have records in different generations of the Rishonim, some saying in their time everyone davened Mincha Kidola because of work, 
and in some in some in sometimes you'll see a record that everyone prayed mincha ketana because work, and then you'll have sometimes people say, well, everybody prayed mincha gedola because of convenience or because of the daytime, and 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 then some some sources you'll say, no, we did mincha ketana because that was the lechatchila we held like the Rambam. It's very interesting how all the different rishonim and achronim have completely different historical accounts of what their preference was for saying uh, for praying mincha. The Moroccan minhag uh, was, and we're saying this because this is given on behalf of a Moroccan shul, was that in general they were makbid to do mincha ketana, and they would only do mincha gedola b'diavad for people who needed to work, so they would do mincha uh, earlier. Um, Kabbalistically, uh, there is a preference to do it later. The Arizal, um, the Arizal had a preference to pray mincha right before shikiah, uh, right before sunset, and... The Ben Ishchai says, though, he says that maybe the Arizal did this, but not everybody should be doing this. And he explains simply, because the Arizal had his own dedicated minyan. And so for the Arizal to wait until moments before nightfall to, to pray mincha was okay, because it didn't really matter. Um, from, he, he knew for sure he was going to have a minyan. But if other people are going to take upon themselves this Kabbalistic ideal of praying mincha as close to sunset as, pro- as possible, what's going to end up happening is that um, they're going to miss the time <laughs> because they're not going to find the minyan and things are going to go wrong. So the Ben Ishchai says, do not try to pray mincha as close to shkia as possible. Make sure you do it at a normal time when you're going to, at a kavua time, when you're going to make the minyan with the rest of the tzibur. Again, this differs in place to place because of different uh, schedules. The sun goes down earlier in other places. And in every place, the rabbi will make his decision about what time to, to pray mincha. And that community usually functions around that. Um, but you'll find some people who have a hakpada to, to pray mincha ketana instead of mincha gedola. Now, um, it's interesting that we said it was based on the korban tamid, right? So the time is based on the korban tamid. So then why do we call it mincha? If you think about it, the korban tamid of the morning and the korban tamid of the evening, both of them had a mincha that was brought along with the, uh, a lib- uh, libation offering that was brought along with the, a flower or whatever offering that was bl- brought along with the tamid. So why do we call, um, why do we call the afternoon uh, one mincha and we don't call the morning one mincha? Or why don't we call the morning one tamid and the afternoon one mincha? So Tosfot in, in Pesachim already asks this. And he, he doesn't clearly know the answer, but he says perhaps, well, tefilat shachrit is shachar, morning, and tefilat mincha, they didn't want to call it tamid, so they called it mincha as if it's its own thing. Another answer he gives is, well, perhaps because it was precisely during the time of the bringing of the mincha that Eliyahu Hanavi was answered, so for that they named it mincha. But there's another opinion by the, uh, given by the Rishonim. Uh, the Ramban says this, and the Rechot Chaim says this, and that is, it's actually really, a really interesting idea, and that is that in, in, the, um, in, the, in the account of the Embreshit, when Adam HaRishon uh, hides from Hashem, and Hashem's voice goes out into the... Um, uh, I forgot the, the, the language. I'll just bring it up in a second. It's Parak Gimel Pasuk uh, Chet in in the um, in the Torah. Pasuk says, "Vayishmu uh, et kol Hashem alokim et halech began liruach hayom." They heard the sound of Hashem moving about in the garden at the breezy time of the day. Vayitchabeya Adam v'yishto and uh, Adam and his wife hid mipnei Hashem alokim betoch yitzagan. That when Adam and Chava were hiding from Hashem, so liruach hayom. We would assume means, okay, at the spirit time of the day, at the windy time of the day, the Ruach Hayom. So it's not clear what it means. 
The Targum says, Liminach Yoma, which in Aramaic means to the resting time of the day. Minach from Minuchaf, or the dimming time of the day. So the Ramban suggests that Mincha comes from this language, from the Lashon of Minucha, that it's the time of the day when the day is coming to a rest. So it's at the end part of the day, and his source is that uh, Targum. Okay, so those are three reasons given why it's called Mincha. Now, I said we'll follow the order of the Sidur. I'll do my best to do that. Um, I, I remember early into the Shiurim, when we were doing Shachrit, uh, we, we had a Shiur that we called Unpopular Morning, Morning Editions. And that was a series of uh, items that, that were added to the Sidur over time and are no longer said by most people due to lack of interest or a lack of time. One of those things that's in the beginning of the Sidur, many Sidurim, is Patach Eliyahu. And the Moroccan minhag and a Svaradi minhag has been for many years that people would say Patach Eliyahu before they would pray. It's a section of Zohar, um, which is said as Eliyahu Anavi, uh, supposedly opens up and says a, a, a tefillah. And the Mikubalim consider it a prayer, a prayer um, or a very big sigula for a person's prayers to be answered. And the truth is that I'm sure there are people who individually still say it. Uh, however, it's really a, a minority thing because the, the vast majority of people, uh, just realistically speaking, don't have much time during the middle of the day. And it's not easy for them to say uh, all these additional things before Mencha. They have to come to shul, they have to pray, and they have to get back to work. It's hard enough to, to even focus. So... Patach is not a very uh, popular insertion, but you'll find it in some Sidurim, and it is indeed a uh, old-timer uh, Moroccan and even Syrian minhag, to, to say it before, uh, before the mincha. The next thing you'll find in the Sidurim is uh, Perak Peidalid in uh, Tehillim. Now, the Ashkenazim probably have no idea what this is because they don't often open a Sfaradi Sidur, but if you open any Sfaradi Sidur by mincha, the first thing after the L'shem Yichud uh, is the Perak Peidalet and Tilim, which is L'matzeach ala Gitit of Korach, for the conductor by the Gitit, for the sons of Korach, Mizmor, Ma'yididot Meshkratecha Hashem Tzivakot. How beloved are your dwelling places, Hashem, Master of Legions. So for some reason, this Tilim opens up Mincha. So the earliest source I found for this, in my frustration, searching through many Sidurim, was... The Beit Yosef. Uh, he, uh, this is brought by the by the Machaber himself, the uh, Shulchan Aruch, and he says that our minhag is that we open mincha with um, Perek Peidalid. He doesn't give a reason, and as far as I know, that's the earliest source because the the Beit Yosef lived. I mean, the end of his life was in the time of the Incunabulum, so like the, the Incunabula. So basically, there's no Sidurim that are printed from his era, uh, at least. I'm sorry, no, there were, but very early printings. Um, and mo as I said in the beginning of the shiur, most manuscripts, uh, Sidurim, skip Mincha entirely, so it's impossible to find evidence of Lamnatseach being in Mincha. At least I didn't find any evidence of Lamnatseach being in Mincha from before the time of the Beit Yosef. So lots of people give different su suggestions as to why this Mizmar was chosen. Um, some suggest that because Korach and his Edah all went sucking into the earth with all of their property and possessions. Um, therefore, it's a good reminder for us that all of our 
uh, exertions at work and all of our hishtadlut that we do at work to earn a parnasah at the end of the day is up to Hashem. And if Hashem decides we'll be rich and live rich, we'll live rich. If He decides we'll be poor or die poor, we will uh, live poorly. So that's one suggestion. Another is that because it talks about Oholei um, Resha, uh, different, uh, it, it speaks of um, saving one from Gehenom or saving one from from uh, uh, the, the judgment of the wicked. And therefore, perhaps at this time of day, because there's Hitzgabrut Hadinim, a person is in, more need, is in a greater need for that. Um, there's all different suggestions. It also says, uh, so there's no clear reason. Nobody has, even the Beit Yosef himself doesn't give a, a straight up reason why that 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 mizmor is was chosen. But that became the minhag, and many Sfaradim who have time before mincha uh, will indeed say it. Uh, I wish I, I just wish I had a more concrete uh, source for the minhag. It's a little frustrating, but that's there's as much as I found. So now comes the, the obvious uh, insertion, and this is something you'll find in Nusach Sfarad as well, uh, the Hasidim and, and everybody else who davens that Nusach, is to say Korbanot before Mincha. So this doesn't actually just start with uh, Sfaradi Sidurim, this goes as far back as the uh, Rabbeinu Yonah, the Abu Durham brings Rabbeinu Yonah in Agarita Teshuvah. Rabbeinu Yonah, us recommended saying the korbanot, especially the korban of tamid, before the mincha. Um, later, I think it was him, or I'm not sure who it was. One of the shonim also shiar knesset hagdola. He also recommends putting in uh, the ketoret um, after the tamid, and of course the zohar also recommends saying the the ketoret before uh, before mincha. So because of these recommendations. You'll find in the Sidor both the Korbanot and the Ketorat before Mincha as well. And again, when people have time, they generally try uh, uh, try to say these. Because, you know, it's, it's we've discussed exactly the power of the Korbanot and the power of the Ketorat in the Shiur and Shachrit. So I don't want to elaborate, elaborate on it further, but that became the Minhag. Um, now, before Ashrei, you'll find in the Sidorim, Hashem Aleinu That's a Pasuk in Tehilim, Perak Lamed Gimel. No one has any idea how that ended up in the Sidurim. Um, it's very recent. Uh, literally the past uh, 50 years, maybe 100 years, people started adding adding that into the Sidurim. It's not clear why. Um, even like the newer Sidurim, some of them put it in parentheses, and no one has any clue as to why that was added. Tefilat HaChodesh, Bet Obed, none of the Livarno Sidurim have it. So... Uh, you can discount that that pasuk is not necessarily belonging uh, before Ashrei. Now, two minhagim, which pertain to today, but don't pertain to today, are important to know about mincha. Most people assume that the Shemona Ashrei of mincha is, and always has been, identical to the Shemona Ashrei of Shachrit and Arvit, but that isn't the case. The vast majority of it was, but there was a minhag, which is traced back to Sadia Gaon. And this was cited by Rashira in the name of Sadia. The Tor brings this in Kufchaf. Um, the Manhig says that this was the minhag in, in uh, Tulitula, which is probably Toledo in his time. The minhag was, in the time of the early Rishonim, 
that by Mincha, they would not say Ritzei Hashem Elokeinu at Amcha Yisrael, meaning they would only start from the um, from after V'yishei Yisrael B'tfilatam She'eva HaShev Avodah L'dvir Beitecha. They would not have the entire first part of Ritzei by Mincha. The reason they gave for this was very confusing. Um, I, I'm not, not sure I even want to get into the reason they gave for it. The Torah dismisses it entirely. He says, I don't even understand what kind of reason that could be. Uh, basically, the idea is that the there's a Gemara which it relates to Birkat Kohanim and Ritzei, that if they don't go up uh, by Ritzei, uh, then they shouldn't continue to go up to do Birkat Kohanim. But that halacha has no relevance to, uh, well, Mincha, we don't say Birkat Kohanim, but that shouldn't have any bearing on whether or not we say Ritzei at all. So the Torah doesn't uh, like it at all. And the Beit Yosef says that by his time, all, which is already 250 years after the Manhig, already the Minhag was in all of uh, all of Klai, so everybody said the entire say by Mincha. But this was a um, this was a real Minhag. So it wasn't always the case that everybody said Ritzei uh, by Mincha. They would just start from the words V'yishei Yisrael. Utfilatim Eira Ba'avat Tekabel Biratzon. V'yishei would mean uh, citizens in that case, not fire offerings. So another thing which is omitted, even today, is the Ashkenazim will say Shalom Rav. Instead of Sim Shalom, it's a slightly different version of Sim Shalom. It's a shorter version, which is, you could look at it in any, any Ashkenaz Sidor. And the reason for this is because we don't say Berkat Kohanim in Mincha. Why don't we say Berkat Kohanim by Mincha and what, and what relevance does that have? It's very simple. Sim Shalom, the, the, early, the early institution of Berkat Kohanim was that it belongs in the, in the Shmon Esrei every day, right? This is how uh, Berkat Kohanim was instituted. And therefore, when the Kohanim would end with V'yasem Lecha Shalom, the, the Chazan would then continue from their words and say, Sim Shalom, um, and, he would, and he would end the Shmon Esrei. He's basically following what the Kohanim said. So, in a tef- Sim Shalom Tovavarcha. So, in the case, in the event where there is no Birkat Kohanim, why would he continue Sim Shalom? A place that Shalom. This is if he's hearkening back. So, if in a, in a Shmon Esrei where there was no Birkat Kohanim, the Minhag was to say Shalom Rav, a great uh, peace, instead of referencing the, the Shalom or the peace which the Kohanim just spoke about, because the Kohanim did not speak about it. Why is there no Birkat Kohanim by Mincha? So, this goes back to the time of the Gemara where there was a takana, a made, there was a decree that was instituted by the rabbis that generally people by lunch, by mincha time, had already just eaten their suda, they had already just eaten their, their meal time, and there was a uh, suspicion or danger, so to speak, that people would come to shul intoxicated, and it was uh, a, a kohen was not allowed to, to pray if he, had, if he was drinking wine. Uh, I call this duchening under intoxication. It's basically a DUI. And you cannot um, do Birkat uh, Kohanim while intoxicated. So the the um, the halacha was, uh, the decree was that there's no Birkat Kohanim by um, by Mincha. And therefore, a Minhag, uh, a Nusach was written for Mincha. So the history of this uh, Nusach is very murky because the earliest place we find the, the Nusach of Shalom Rav is at least the earliest clear place is in the Pardes, um, where they're mentioning, uh, we spoke about this before, they're mentioning the, the, the rituals of Rabbi Yakim Mispire. Rabbi Yakim, he was like a Shliach Tzibor in Spire, who was a contemporary of Rashi. And they're speaking about whether or not he said Shalom Rav on the 
on the Minchav uh, Yom HaKippurim. It's a very interesting halachic discussion. Uh, Ashkenazi might know more about this. On a Tanit, when no one's allowed to eat anyway, and it's impossible for you to become intoxicated, would you say Shalom Rav or would you say Sim Shalom? So in that discussion is the first textual place where it mentions this uh, girsah, this, this version of Shalom Rav. Later I found um, in the Shalot and Shuvot HaGeonim, Mizrach Umarav, which is a specific set of them, there's a Teshuvah from Rav Yehudai Gaon where he mentions the words, the Tefillah Shalom Rav. So if that's an authentic uh, Teshuvah, um, some attribute the Teshuvah to Rav Amram Gaon, but if that's an authentic Teshuvah from the time of the Gaonim, then you already push it back another 300 years to the 8th century, meaning that this Nusach is actually far earlier. The Sfaradim never had this Minhag, um, to any recollection, Ashkenazim had it, but the Sfaradim never ever did this. We always did Sim Shalom by every tefillah. But this is uh, something, in case you're davening, uh, in case you're a Sfaradi and you're davening in Ashkenaz Shul and all you have is an Ashkenaz Sidur, I hope you know Sim Shalom by heart because um, uh, the Mincha one is uh, completely different. Now, there is another Minhag, which is more popular by Mincha than it is by Shachrit. And that is to do Chazarat HaShatz, to do the, the repetition, halfway. And the, this we discussed already when we discussed the Chazara of the regular Shmonesre of Shachrit. I don't, I don't know if we should go into it all over again. But the idea is that there was a, the, the, the Rambam's son says that the Rambam made a Takana, the Rambam made a, a decree that it would be permissible for uh, the tzibur, if everybody knew how to daven and everybody was fluent in davening, everyone knew it by heart, it would be permissible for them to shorten the chazarat or eliminate it entirely, so to speak, if people were just going to do nothing during the chazarat shots anyway. And the way the Rambam prescribes it, he says that they should do the first three brachot together and the, the chazan should say the kedusha out loud, and then you do the last three brachot out loud together. It's called tefillah b'kol oram. We do ritzay and, and, and modim and, and uh, sim shalom together. So this minhag is far more popular by yeshivas and, and uh, the Moroccans used to do it a lot. Um, they, they were somech on this Rambam a lot. There's also evidence of similar things having been done in the time of the Goanim. Not precisely the same, but, but similar... Uh, ideas that were done. And, you know, it's... Today, most people know the entire Shmonesri, but most people who are coming to an Orthodox shul have the maturity to, to sit through a Chazarat HaShatz without making any noise or without being distracted. So, Baruch Hashem, we live in a good generation where there are a lot of people who are capable of sitting through a Chazarat HaShatz by Mincha. But some places, especially in Morocco, they didn't want to... First of all, they didn't trust the lay people, the, the, the laymen, to, uh, to behave. And second of all, everyone had to get to work. So they weren't going to, you know, be toreach the tzibur. They weren't going to burden the tzibur, the community, to stay from Mincha for a very long time. And you can imagine, especially a few hundred years ago, when people didn't even say Aleinu, they would do Ashrei, Kaddish, they would do the, the Tefillah B'Kloram together, then they would do the, the Tachanun, uh, and without Aleinu, Kaddish, and they're, and they're done. That was the entire Mincha. So the entire thing probably took an entirety of seven or eight minutes. And it was to be respectful of people's time. Um, 
eventually, for some reason, I don't know how this began, some Moroccan minhagi, some Moroccan shuls, and many, most yeshivot, began to eliminate the entire end of the Rambam's prescription. I don't know why that is. Uh, the Rambam said to do the last three brachot together and out loud. He also said to do the first three brachot together and out loud. In the yeshivot, their minhag is to do the first three brachot and the chazan does it by himself. There is a cheshbon to that. I understand why they might do that because of the amens. But the last three brachot, the fact that they don't do that out loud and the Moroccans, some people stop doing it out loud, I, I don't actually understand why they do that. But, uh, but that became the minhag, so there's no, there's, no, there's no clear history as to, to why that occurred. Now, we learned by Shachrit that, let me just look at something. Right, so we learned by Shachrit that there's an inyan, a reshut, right, to say tachanunim after Shachrit. This comes from a Gemara. We went into depth for a couple of shurim as to how this works. The too long didn't read, right, the TLDR is that this is a tradition from the Amoraim, to say tachanunim, or supplications, right after Shemona Esrei. And already in the Sidur of, of Rav Amram Gaon, he mentions Nefilat Apayim. He mentions, again, that we should do Nefilat Apayim, or this section of tachanunim, after the Shemona Esrei of Mincha as well. So it goes really far back, and it's not exclusive to Shachrit. It's not exclusive to Mincha. People used to do it by Arvid as well. And this is the idea of doing tachanunim. So the Seder Ramam already says to do Vanachnu lo neda and to, to fall on the face. It's not clear exactly every Tachanun which they said. It's not clear exactly, you know, every, uh, every uh, thing they chose. If you look in the old Sidurim, there were many different variations of, of what Tachanun was, especially because it was free form at a certain time. So uh, heaven knows, but there was, there was some, you know, can, there was some uh, standardization which eventually occurred. And historically, many Sfaradim and even many Ashkenazim would skip Tachnun or skip Vidoy by Mincha because of time constraints. Because people had to run and they didn't have, I mean, you'll find in the Teshuvot that a lot of people didn't do Tachnun by Mincha and the rabbi said it's okay, you know, people, hard, it's hard enough to, to, to focus by Mincha anyway, people have to run back to work. You know, they're not going to be able to really do Tachanunim properly. And therefore, if they're not going to do it properly, you might as well let them do Kaddish and go back to work. That's, that was the attitude of many of the earlier poskim. The Chida holds that because uh, the Tachanunim are a very serious matter, and doing Vidui and Filatapayim and all those things are a very serious matter, if a person even has a safik of whether or not he should be doing Tachanun that day, they should just skip it. So, you know, this is not just a Hasidish thing. Even the Sfaradim hold this way. Um, it, it could, the Mikubalim caution against uh, doing uh, Tachanunim at night. And therefore, you'll find many Minyanim, if they're doing Mincha right before Shkiah, and then they're finished Mincha after Shkiah, they'll, they'll skip Vidu entirely, they'll skip the, the, the Nefilat Apayim entirely. Um, some Syrian shuls had a very funny Minhag, and I say it's funny because I don't think they really knew what they were doing. But the Sidurim evolved so that. And if you look back at the earlier stream we went through, it evolved that there was a Vidoy, and then there's the Yud Gimel Midot, right, the Ve'avor, and then you have the Lidavid, and then you have Hashem Elkei Yisrael Shumechon Pecha. But that's not in the order in which things were inserted, right? That's the exact opposite of how things were inserted. First, we had Vanachnu Lo then people added uh, different Prakim of Tilim, and then the Mikubalim, based on the Tsar, inserted a Vidoy, and they inserted the Yudgimel Midot. 
So the Syrians, what they'll very often do in the shul is if it's late, they won't do Ladavi, they won't do Nefilat Apayim, they'll just do the, uh, they'll just do the Ana Hashem and the, and, and the Bidui and the Duve Avar, and then they'll skip the rest because it's too late or it's near Shkiah or it's, you know, Safek Shkiah. So they just do the first part and they skip the rest. You'll find some people who skip, skip the Tachnun entirely because they're doing Mincha right before Shkiah. You'll find this a lot by the Syrians that they skip uh, Tachnun, they skip the Nefilat Apayim if they're davening mincha late. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's funny. I think if, if you ask me, they should have just, they should just do rachum v'chanu chatanu l'fanecha, sit down, do le David, and Hashem okay Israel. I don't know why they're doing the vidui instead. But, uh, you know, because in my view, it's not, it's not the ikar. But that's, that's what ended up happening. So, this is what occurs in the Syrian Menanim, and, you know, people feel like that's their Menhag, and that's the way it's always been, and so that's, that's, that's the way they do it. You know, they have an attachment to the way they did it in Chalab, even if in Chalab there were people who are Amehaaretz. That's just what it is. So, lastly, the last part of Mincha, and I'm sorry, I don't know how much time we've spent already. Okay, not that long. Only 36 minutes. So the last part of Mincha is obviously Aleinu. And I think we've spoken about this before, uh, very recently. And that is that Aleinu was originally instituted, not instituted, originally added to the tefillah from the, uh, the, the prayers of Rosh Hashanah. And it was originally added to Shachrit. It naturally and organically spread to the other tefillot. It took some time. But after about 100, 200 years, most kilot were saying Aleinu after Shachrit and also after the other prayers. It's not clear how long it took, but especially, as I said, because the manuscripts just don't exist. You know, the, if it's going to write Mincha, it, they're not writing Mincha in the manuscripts, so we just, we just don't know what, what exactly, in all, and at least not in all of them. So we just don't know exactly how popular it was, but we do know that many people started saying it for all three eventually. Um... But the minhag became, in many shuls, both Sfaradi and Ashkenaz, up until Europe, uh, only 70 years ago, minhag was very common that if they're doing mincha, the entire community together is doing, you know, it's a big shul, the whole community prays together, mincha and then arvit, they skipped Aleinu between mincha and arvit. This was very popular until about 70 years ago. Today... Most people don't do that anymore. And the reason, I think, is very simple. And that is because if you live in Brooklyn or if you live in most communities, there is a plethora of minyanim. And very often people will pray mincha with one minyan and then they'll leave because they want to pray arvit later or they have some other reason to, to leave early. And so therefore most shuls just began saying aleinu because it was far more practical. Uh, people didn't want to, you know, if you're gonna, if everyone was going to pray the two tefillah together, then yeah, you say Aleinu at, at the at the ultimatum at the at the end uh, of both prayers. But if people are going to leave for one tefillah anyway, you know, I, I'm just theorizing that that's why everyone decided to just settle on saying Aleinu no matter what, especially because it also has the added benefit of everybody's favorite uh, habit, which is to say another Kaddish Yatom. And so, you know, that became, again, the minhag to also add Aleinu. So by today, even with rushing it, most people end up, most shuls will take no less than, you know, 15 minutes to pray mincha. Even if you're doing a haicher, it's going to take you 11 or 12 minutes. Um, 
which, you know, slowly, generation after generation, it just gets longer and longer and longer. Originally, it was seven or eight minutes. Now it's up to 15. But Hashem, I mean, everyone will have their own, their own take on that, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But, you know, that's, that's in short, how the Mincha developed. Next week, Bezrat Hashem, I think we'll continue with Arvit. I noticed that the Sidurim, most of them, continue, uh, after Shachrit, they put Suda. They put, like, Birkat Amazon. I'm considering uh, doing... After we finish Arvit, I think next week is we're going to do Arvit in two parts probably, um, but maybe even three. It's, it's, there's a lot to discuss with Arvit. But um, after that, we might take a break and look at Birkat Hamazon because it's fa- it's a, has a fascinating history. And, you know, um, before we get to Shabbat, it's a good break. So thanks everyone for joining us tonight. And if you have any questions, let me know. And we'll pick up again uh, next week.